Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Evermore, your Newcastle United podcast on the Slide Roll Pass YouTube channel. I'm your host, Chris, and I'm joined in this disco inferno this week by the lynch man, James, Di, and Dan is back, the blue tick man. How are we doing, lad? I'm doing good. Very well, mate. How are you? I'm good. Another win, lads. Three on the spin. What I know, Chris. What are we going to moan about tonight? Eh? Three wins on the spin? We'll uh, find something, I'm sure. We always do. <laughs> we always do. Always, always do. We always, especially you, James. I'm only joking, mate. I'm only joking. It's good to have you on board. It's good to have you on board. We're, we're on YouTube tonight, guys. Please join in the comments. We'd love to have you on board. We'd love to hear your opinions on things, as I think we already have a comment coming in right now, which is our good friend Jack Sutton. Evening, gents. Evening to you, Jack. Lovely to have you on board, mate. Right, let's get kicked off then, lads. And uh, Mark has disappeared away from the podcast, and rightly so, because we had a villa killer <laughs> at the weekend. We battered Mark's team. Well, we didn't batter them. That's probably a bit of a stretch. But we beat Aston Villa. And just a little note on this. I did say on Pitch Pat, if anybody checked that out, it's still on the channel if you want to check it out. Uh, villa fans like Mark are great. You know, the old-fashioned Villa fans, they understand where Villa sit in the grand scheme of the footballing world. But this new breed of Jack Grealish haircut, pigeon-chested having wankers who say we were going to... Don't to put a headband in. I can put a headband <laughs> No, you're okay, you Dan. You're okay. We were going to enjoy a Stevie G masterclass. The only thing we saw was that miserable bastard with his arms crossed looking upset the entire game. So I'm going to cover you first, James. What a good victory, mate. A hard-earned victory. And it was great to see Gerard miserable, wasn't it, mate? That was a huge win for us, no doubt about it. I think we saw a completely different side to this team on Sunday than than what we did against Everton last week. It was a different kind of game, wasn't it? It was a gritty performance. It wasn't pretty. Look, it didn't have to be. We are now starting to see games out and hang on to leads, something we just weren't capable of doing earlier in the year. Uh, the Watford game, a fine example of that. But this is a different team now. We just look so much fitter. There's more energy there. The players know exactly what they should be doing they've got belief in themselves now and, and we're starting to look like a really really formidable side and a side that's incredibly difficult to play against defensively outstanding dan burn was man of the match for me trippier uh charman all brilliant i even thought dummett and, and Kraft played their part also when they came on um i can't remember the last time we had a better defense than this right now I think this is the best defence I've ever seen at Newcastle United with, with Trippier, Target, Shaw and Byrne all fully fit. I can't see us conceding many goals. We do know about the, the, the Trippier injury. We'll come on to talk about that later, which was a, a real downside. But I've got to say, I thought the midfield were absolutely brilliant as well, especially Joe Linton. He's been reborn under Eddie Howe. He was everywhere on Sunday. The defensive work he's, he's putting in is incredible. I also want to give a special mention to Ryan Fraser as well, who I think he's gone under the radar a bit since uh, Sunday, but I don't think anyone worked harder than him on Sunday. And, and right now, he would, he would run through a brick wall for this uh, for this club. Overall, it was a, a massive three points, in my opinion. It was the biggest winner this season. Leeds and Everton aren't great teams, but you know those team those two haven't been very good this season. We came up against a proper team on Sunday with a top class manager. And we were the better team. Four points off the bottom three. We've got a game in hand over Norwich. We're staying up, lads. Bring on West Ham. <laughs> Di, just getting your opinion on this, mate, bringing you in. Um, do you yeah, think that I love Villa that. Pretend... I love that. <laughs> it is. And that's the most positive he's ever been, Dad. He's like I you know. now. He stole your thunder. But, Di, just to get your take on this, mate, do you think Villa potentially um, took us for granted, maybe went into that game thinking that this would be a piece of piss? Or, or do you just think that, as James rightly says there, that the guys roll their sleeves up and they're really... You know, they really earned that victory. Uh, before I start, can I just say pigeon chested wankers is an absolute <laughs> insult. I'm on one this week, mate. My Pierce Morgan line on pitch patter was uh, was definitely yeah. up there, I think. Definitely up there, mate. <laughs> nice plug for pitch patter there. Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> I don't think they underestimated us, uh, underestimated us per se. I think they just expected a different game than, than they got. I think, um, I think they expected to overrun us in midfield, and I I think you could see the fact that uh, Coutinho was, you know, not really getting much ball, didn't really help the situation at all. He was kind of very much in and out of the game for them. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I, I agree with everything that the James has said there. It was a fantastic, gritty performance, a game we would have lost not long ago. I think the thing I enjoyed most after the game was Eddie Howe saying that we basically, we're trying to play a certain way. We're not quite there yet. But sometimes you have to just dig in and do what you've got to do. So I, I really enjoyed that he had the self-awareness. If that if that was, you know, the 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 Baron of Bacon, as you like to call him, uh, then I 
he would be saying, what a fabulous performance. We were this, we were that, we were the other. Great football. And I think it's important that Eddie Howe has recognised, yes, we won. Yes, we played well in patches, but there's still a long way to go in terms of performance. And I think that was really important he addressed that because he knows what we're doing, but he also knows where we're going and what we're capable of as well. And I thought that was a really good and, and strong comment from him after the match. No, absolutely. I think he, I think he's definitely earned a lot of um, plaudits back from people who maybe were criticising him a little bit. You know, we even did on this channel, we were a little bit worried about where the wins were going to come. Dan, your take on this, mate? I know you've been burying your head in your, your university work, which we're going to mention a little bit later, mate. But how did you enjoy that victory, bud? Oh, it was fantastic, Chris. I mean, once again, the atmosphere I, I want to talk about was just electric. Obviously, Tuesday night, we know a night, a night game is going to be fantastic because they always are. But obviously... What, what we've experienced in the last 14 years of this club is atmosphere being drained from St. James's Park. It hasn't been what it once was, but it really is starting to come back. I think Gary Neville mentioned it on Sky Sports on Sunday. It it just feels alive again. Obviously, the city has a buzz about it every time you go and walk up to the match. And then, of course, it's echoed what we're seeing on the playing field as well. I mean, obviously, we've got good players all of a sudden. Kieran Tripp, yeah, obviously, yes, he's injured now, but marshalling the, the defence, you know, barking orders, and, of course, his quality is unbelievable. You've got big Dan Byrne. What a debut for him. Quite unbelievable. I think what struck me about Dan Byrne is because, you know, historically, and perhaps this is a bit of a stereotype, but taller players, you know, sometimes they're not always the best on the ball, but I thought that he was really composed, really calm. You know, I think at one point he took it down on his chest and just brought it down and then played it on as if, as if it just wasn't anything to him at all, which to me, I, I was really impressed by that. And of course, his height, he won everything in the air. And, you know, as I say, a great, great debut. And then I, I, I want to say about Chris Wood as well, because I know obviously he's, he's had a bit of criticism too, because obviously, you know, he's not scored yet for Newcastle, but he's still doing the dirty work and he's still putting himself about there and he's still winning headers and he's still winning aerial challenges. And I'd like to obviously just say well done to him because of course, yes, he's not getting the rewards for it yet, but I'm sure they'll come because he's he's putting himself about there and as I say, doing the dirty work. And, and just to echo what James says as well, Ryan Fraser has been in revelation of late. He runs his socks off down that right-hand side. And, he, he, you know, it's obviously, as as Chris, you, you know, in the past, I've been a big Jacob Murphy fan, but Ryan Fraser is quite quickly stealing that from him at the minute. I'm becoming a really big fan of his. And just it just feels so coherent at the moment, doesn't it? Like the whole team just seems to know what they're doing again, which when you look at how we started the season, when literally they didn't look as if they had a clue. It's a far cry, and so credit has to go to, to Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall. Absolutely does. I mean, to be fair as well, I think Ryan Fraser is a good point. I think just the way he's closing people down as well as work rates, you know. It's, it's the minute, the minute, Yeah, the minute he hasn't got the ball, he's, he's chasing somebody down. I think somebody called him a Yorkshire Terrier on uh, on uh, Twitter <laughs> when, when the game was going on. Probably forget he's from Aberdeen, the furthest northern point of the world. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he did look fantastic. Obviously, you know, we're going to come on to the midfield in a little bit. But just a point on Chris Wood actually, Dan, as well that uh, I did feel a little bit sorry for Chris Wood. I, I did the post-match review for the channel and I did notice a couple of times, there was one point in particular that really stood out for me, where I think it was Ryan Fraser got the ball, he beat a man and he went to the went went to the line and I thought, right, whip it. And, and Wood went into the box, kind of towards the six-yard area, the penalty spot. And then Fraser kept going and he whipped in a ball, which was identical to Callum Wilson's goal against West Ham and Spurs, that front post run. Yeah. And I thought, you, you're not playing the ball for you know this striker and i think that's still an issue and that's something that as long as the lads are doing that it, it is definitely going to cause chris wood problem die just as you've been fucking around with wood all night building an idea cabinet <laughs> me what what was your take <laughs> on poor chris yeah. wood the yeah, very, very, i told you i was going to get it in i told you i was going to get it in and <laughs> um, i was going to ask if i could say something there because i think yeah. there's another element to that as well is that I think we're playing in a way which we're expecting him to be Callum Wilson, and he's not. Mm. And I think there is an element of his work rate. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to go full circle on him. I, I, I maintain he's not a particularly good footballer at the moment, and I think that could change. But I yeah. do think he needs to get credit for his work rate, and I do think he needs to get credit for how he closes down. But I think the biggest thing is he hasn't had time to slot into the side yet in a way which utilizes his skills. So for example, he is before you were looking at Wilson, who's I think a better footballer got a better touch, bringing the ball down and bringing others into play that way. Whereas he knows where space is behind him and he's flicking balls over his shoulders and headers and little touches on, which at the minute aren't coming off. 
And I don't think that's his fault per se. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for people to change how they run around and move around him. Um, so yeah, don't get me wrong. He was far from outstanding. He's got a you know a huge uh, mountain to climb in terms of what I think he needs to be able to do to compete and and, and be effective for us in front of goal. But I do think it is part of it is he needs to gel into the side a little bit and people need to read his game a little bit better rather than just expecting him to be Callum Wilson. Just 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 to add to that, Di, I mean, that's the thing. Callum Wilson is a completely different type of striker, of course. Callum Wilson is, is fast, is pacey, he runs the channels, get to the near post. Whereas Chris Wood obviously, you know, plays often with often with his back facing goal. He's a target man. We need to play that we need to get balls into the box on his on his bonds essentially. That's how he's going to score goals, not by playing over the top or like trying to get to the near post, because that's Wilson's type of type of striker. But I think they will come eventually. I mean, obviously he's going through a bit of a rough patch, but I think I think they'll come. I just and to be honest, I was willing him to score on on Sunday. Um, there was one moment I think when he was perhaps a little bit selfish. I think it was in the first half he was running to, towards goal from from midfield, and Ryan Fraser is literally free there, and he just had to slide him in. And instead, he went for goal and he put it over the bar. And you can understand why he did it because he wants a goal so much. But in that situation, realistically, he should have been playing Fraser in because it would have made it two nil. That, that's just... my problem with Chris Chris Wood right now is his decision making when he's got the ball at his feet isn't good enough right now. Yeah, look, the work rate is there. I'm not I'm not disagreeing with that. He's doing his job in terms of winning those flick ons on for other players to get into the game. I think that people like Maximum and Willock need to be busting a little bit more of a gut to get on them a little bit more though mm. but I still think in terms of when he has the ball at his feet he doesn't look comfortable and he doesn't he kind of panics he doesn't really know what to do and I think sometimes he does have a little bit of a moment of madness I think he blazed up he blazed on over the bar didn't he uh, as well before that uh, before that, that that time when he should have put it into Fraser but look I'm sure it'll come I was probably a little bit critical of him after the game on uh, on Sunday but uh, I think probably he was one of our worst players on the day not to say he was bad I just think again I just want to see that little bit more from him yeah it must, it must be hard as well from sorry that I was just going to say I could I could see the look on your face you were desperate when someone said wood and slid in I could see <laughs> that. I could see I'm, I'm teeing him up teeing right. him up I'm, I'm going to change the name of the podcast to ever more dick jokes is what I'm going to change it to. This is a little caveat. Please don't, Chris. Fire. Please, please, please don't. Yeah, we might we'll lose about, you lose about 50 win, subscribers, mate. Yeah, we, might get, we might gain 100 subscribers, mate. You never know. You <laughs> you never know this what kind of audience are you visiting, Chris? Like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was going to say. I'll tell you what we'll do, lads. We'll have a look at uh, West Ham towards the end of the podcast. We're going to move on to the next section because it's going to probably dictate how we're going to do against West Ham. So the next section, you mentioned, Madame, the big lad, Burn a Baby Burn. Disco Marcus, Inferno. Disco Inferno, indeed. Mark has been on the graphics. We're just going to have a quick look at Mark's lovely little uh, Premier League sticker um, oh, template that he's using now. More to come, more to come. So you can see there, obviously, he played 90 minutes, 37 touches, 75% pass completion. Very good. I think he was a much better footballer than we all thought he, he was going to be, which we'll come mm. on to. Three clearances. He won two out of his three duels and, and, and one block. And it didn't say on the stat there, but he also ripped the shirt of one ex-mortgage advisor who plays at the back for Aston Villa, which was great to see. So, Dad, you mentioned the big man. I'm going to start off with you, buddy. Uh, how impressed were you with uh, Big Bourne? Oh, very impressed, very impressed. As I mentioned at the start, just his elegance and composure on the ball. Yeah. I think at first it surprised me, but then, of course, really impressed me as well. I wasn't expecting it. I mean, to be fair, I've, I've spoken to my Brighton friend Charlie about what he was like, and he, he's bigged him up to me, but I didn't expect his debut to be that good. I mean, we've signed, you know, Gimaraes and we've signed Kieran Chippy. They're the standout players, suppose, or, or, as we've discussed before, but yeah, Dan Burns coming in and he, and he stole the show on Sunday. Completely. He was, excellent. Excellent he was fantastic. At solid at the back. And for all our defensive frailties that we've had this season, suddenly it seems a bit calmer. Now, in fairness, when Trippier went off, I did think we looked a little bit shaky at times. Obviously, when Villa scored their goal, of course, was real offside. Yeah. I thought, you know, we had a bit of a wobble there, but then we, we, we regained composure. And of course, we were able to see the match out. But yeah, just his presence at the back as well. Obviously, not only is he from this this part of the world, so he knows what it means, and he can, you know, use that vocal ability in the dressing room. Well, exactly, Dan. Yes, he is indeed class. Yes, <laughs> he, yes. he told you, Dan. He was class. I well, literally Dan. told you. Keep me, him so. right. 
<laughs> yes, from one Dan to another, keep me right. Anyway, um, yeah, no, he was just phenomenal. And I think he's exactly what we need in this, you know, relegation fight as we press on towards the end, the business end of the season. James, for you, how good was Dan Byrne? And also, does Lascelles not get a sniff back in this side? Maybe just to throw that one at you as well. Uh, one of the very best debuts I've ever seen from a Newcastle player. This He was exceptional. He won every header that came his way. He commanded his box with ease. He looked quite, uh, equally comfortable on the ball as he, as he did off the ball. But what I loved the most about this performance was his leadership qualities. When Trippier went off and we needed someone to step up to the plate, take the game by the scruff of the neck, rally the troops, lead by example, that's exactly what he did. Um, you could see him shouting at the at the top of his voice for for the whole game. He was demanding that extra bit of effort from from Cher and uh, and then Dummett when he came on. And look, Ollie Watkins was just completely anonymous the entire game. I didn't even realise he was on the pitch and, until he headed in that disallowed goal. And that was mostly down to Dan Byrne, just completely marking him out the game. And I want to make a point, um, a good point I, I, on this. Uh, I think there was a lot made of his signing at the time, uh, especially when we missed out on, on Sven Botman and Diego Carlos. Mm. But he's proved that you don't need to go after, uh, you know, one of these 50 million, 60 million pound centre-halves when you can pick up the right, one for a fraction of that sum, as long as the recruitment's there. And one of the best things about Dan Burns signing is that he knows the league inside out. And perhaps Botman and Carlos would have taken a few weeks to bet into the team. He's hit the ground running. He knows he's played against these players before. He knows exactly their strengths and their weaknesses. He knows exactly how to play against them. And right now, um, he's got to be he's got to be one of the first names on the team sheet. There is absolutely no chance that Jamal Lascelles will get back into this team. Um, there is a, a question, well, who's going to be captain now with Trippier out? It's probably going to be Shelby still. It probably will be um, Shelby. Probably still will be Shelby. But but as Dan rightly said, uh, I was delighted for the lad, especially being a big Newcastle fan uh, as well. It just made it even even better. He sat in the East Dan as a, as a kid, a man after my own heart. You wouldn't want you wouldn't want to sit behind him though, would you? To be fair, not me. Six foot nine, not, but, not, not five foot seven. <laughs> Especially you, Dad. I think we've had. I think that. I think we've had that joke before, uh, Chris, haven't we? But oh, why, on, not? Let's, on, why not? Why not? Why not? It deserves a second show. He's going to ask Mark to do a stat slide on my jokes now. Make sure I just coming to you on coming to you on the big burn, mate. Were you really impressed like the rest of the lads, mate? Or did he surprise you a bit, mate? As well, how good he was. Um, a little bit, yeah. I was obviously very impressed with his performance. I think, I do think we have to be a little bit careful here. I think there's, there's, there is a, another side to this, and I appreciate um, I'm, you know, uh, often the the miserable one here. So I will, I will stick to my role. Uh, whilst I, James I was is, a miserable one. Well, I, I, I think, I think this would. I, you, I feel like you've taken ecstasy or something before this, James. <laughs> <laughs> He's happy space now. Happy space. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I, I, I don't disagree with anything anyone said. I think he's a very good player. I think he's done very well. I think we need to be careful of, of things along the lines of, never mind, we missed out on Carlos and Botman and stuff like that. Because I do think we need to have an awareness of the fact that he is at the absolute peak of his career. And I think if we're going to go on and, you know, if we're going to try and get into Europe, Champions League, eventually try and win something, do I think Dan Byrne will be the heartbeat of that defence in three years' time, let's say maybe not. So I do think we have to be a bit, a little bit careful in that sense. But I think in, in terms of what he provided us, in terms of what he's capable of, in terms of replacing uh, Lascelles, I think there's an absolute no-brainer there. I think the other thing which I enjoyed, and I think we need to utilise more, is those sort of kind of flat balls. In when you get free kicks in certain areas in an attack in third. Sometimes you can't whip the ball in because of where the, the free kick is placed. Sometimes you have to kind of float one on top. And because of how tall he is and how good he is in the air, he's a, a weapon we can use going forward, even if he doesn't get the goal. The little flick-ons and the little touches to kind of keep the ball alive around him, um, I thought was great. And the last thing for me is I, I just loved his aggression. I love, like you say, talking about Mings. Um, I love that, and he was he was he was not having any shit from anyone. There were any, you know, people getting pushed around. He was the first one to be there. When all the, I, I will say, I thought the stuff that the referee allowed from the corners was uh, absolutely laughable. But anyway, even when all the pushing and shoving and handbags was happening, he was straight in people's faces, standing up for his teammates. And I think that sort of thing, the boys looking out for each other, is again something we haven't seen. I don't, I don't think for a long time it seemed like it was every man for himself. Whereas now we have this unity and there's three or four of these players who've come in and done that. And he demonstrated that so well. 
he just looks like, you know, he's massive and I'm, you know, I'm three foot nothing myself. So, I'm, you know, I'd be terrified of most people. But he looked like a terrifying bastard on Saturday. Like, he wasn't going to allow any shit from anybody. Imagine how Ryan Fraser felt stood next to him in the lineup. <laughs> I was just going to say, who did that? Who stitched Ryan Fraser? Someone, that, that was, was definitely intentional. Wasn't Ryan it? Fraser looked like the mascot, didn't he? He did. He just looked like DeVito, didn't he? Somebody put on Twitter and started doing the twin right. memes and everything. He, the poor bastard, he definitely did. But, but you're, you're right, Dan. You're right, lads. I thought he was phenomenal. Um, we've lacked that kind of aggressive um, leader at the back, someone who's just not going to take any shit, as you rightly said, Die. And it's great to see him back, to be honest with you, mate. So, well, great to see a guy like that back in the side. But moving on, it wasn't all great news, unfortunately. So, so obviously... The goal scorer and the main man ever since he came, not just because of what he can do from a set piece, but everything as, as we've all touched on before and today. Uh, Kieran Trippier scored the goal, great free kick, you know, deflection in it goes. Nobody else in the pitch is going to score that. But then, obviously, as you rightly said, James, he went off and it turns out he's got a broken foot. And what makes matters worse <clears throat> was Mankiel, who's playing left back at the time, who's a natural fit for Trippier's replacement. Uh, is also injured. Thankfully, it's not ligaments, though, from what I hear. It's only, uh, I think it's just a bad ankle sprain, so he's out for a couple of weeks. So just before we get into what that means for the defence, James, how big of a blow is that losing trip you mate? It's a huge blow for us, Chris. He is so important to this team, arguably the most important player in the squad right now. Um, we struggled a bit in the second half when he came off, got to be said, as Dan said before. I mean, look, we weren't on the ropes or anything like that, but we did lose that bit of momentum after he after he came off and look right now he's also a, a massive source of goals for us with his free kicks and I think the main issue with with Trippier being out for an extended period of time is we don't have any other player in the squad who can do what he does and, and give us what he gives us his leadership qualities and his experience his big game experience are irreplaceable Look, we aren't a one-man team. Um, don't get me wrong. It's not like we're just going to go on a losing run or anything. But if you had to pick one player who you wouldn't want to be out for an, for an extended run of games, it's, it would be him right now. West Ham is going to be a really difficult game. We will come on to talk about that later. But when you look at what we've got after that, we've got Brentford, Brighton and, and Palace. They're all winnable games. But without your captain, your most important player, your leader, those, ga those games have just become a little bit more difficult now. And Emil Croft will come in. Um, we've just got to hope that with a few days on the training ground with with working with Eddie Howe, that he can do a job for us. He's look, he's playing under a much better manager now who will give him guidance, proper coaching, belief that he is good enough and, and can do a job, but they're big shoes to fill, Kieran Trippier's. And look, Croft did uh, did okay when he came on at the weekend, but he's he's no Kieran Trippier. Um I thought Croft did um did all right against Man United. I think he played uh, over Christmas. So um look I'm probably being Quite optimistic here, and it's the ecstasy uh, still wearing off. But um, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he'll do okay. Just wait for and uh, look, uh, just wait for the <laughs> he won't. He won't cost us on Saturday like he, he has done a few times. Don't say that to me, Mark. Don't do that's that. To a me. Huge, that's a huge blow in the comments. I hope that's not a villa bitterness there, uh, Mark. And you're just I think it might be a little bit of shit on this podcast today. Yeah, you're better than that, Mark. You're better. Oh. Than that. Dan, just to, just to bring you in, mate. Again, how big of a blow is it losing Trippy? But what would you do with the defence if you already how you know? Obviously, Mankiw wasn't going to be able to play against West Ham. How would you jig things around me? I've got my opinion, and I'm going to be a bit controversial on Emil Kraft in a minute. But what's your opinion on that, mate? I mean, if and when Mankiw comes back, he goes straight back into it because I think 100%. he is. A, he, yeah, Mankiw for me never really puts a foot wrong. Even at left back, he was doing a pretty good job on Sunday, and so as soon as he is fit, he comes straight back in, and we revert, revert back to type. And it's just a like for like replacement. I honestly think I think not much will change from Eddie Howe's point of view. I think it'll just simply be Emil Kraft goes in there at right back. The rest of it will probably stay the same, to be honest. Dummett, of course, now is supposedly fit again. We'll probably start at left back. You'd or imagine. Target will play, won't he? Or Target, well, if Target two, will yes. be back. Yeah. Target will be back. Or Target, or Target, as I called him last week, the Scottish <laughs> Yeah, it, as it, it will be one of them too. And then, of course, you've got your centre-halves. You'd imagine Fabian Shaw would stay in because, of course, his run of form at the moment is he's in a good stretch. And if LaSalle, I mean, obviously, he was ill at the weekend, and you'd imagine with that performance, Dan Byrne would still be in there, wouldn't he? It's, I can imagine it being a back four of Kraft, Shaw, big Dan Byrne, and probably probably Matt Target, you'd imagine. Because of course, Target Dummett will only, definitely, definitely start. Yeah, because obviously, Dummett only came on at the weekend as a replacement for Mankio, and obviously, he's only just come back as well. So, you don't want to risk, be risking him too much, knowing how injury prone he is. 
But looking at Kieran Trippier, it's an absolutely huge blow. Obviously, not only the match winner from the two previous games, but as James rightly says, he's a leader and just his just his class on the, you can tell he's a class above his touch. He just knows when to step back and let the ball bounce and let him control it. And he knows when to go in for the header. His he leaves no prisoners. He takes no prisoners at all. He, he literally he he will slide in and take someone out, which I quite like. Um, and you can see why he's been the mainstay in Gareth Southgate's England side for so long now. Just because, yeah. as I say, his awareness as well. He reads the game so well too. And it is it is a really poor injury. Of course, it's not just like a small fix. It is a, a broken foot. He will be out for at least six yeah. weeks, and we will miss him greatly. But you know, obviously, we, we have got players to, to come in. Once Manquio is back, I will feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's, it, he's still not quite the same as Kieran Trippier, but we have other, we have to look to other players to win us games as well. You know, I know Trippier has won us the last two, but. You know, we, we, we've bought Bruno Guimaraes. I know he's not really had much of game time yet, but surely he will come in at some point and stake his claim in the middle of the squad. But even then, you've got Willick, Shelby and Joe Linton, who at the minute are all doing really well together. And you do you want to break that up? I'm we'll not come, so we'll sure. On, yeah, we'll come on that in a bit, maybe. But ju just just uh, on the comment there as well, Dyke, bring you in on this as well, get your opinion. So Adrian's got a good comment there, I think, that he would pop Fraser at right back Bruno right of the three in midfield and Willick right of a front three. What, what's your take on that, Di? Do you think, as, as James said there, um, without Trippier whipping them balls in, would Bruno be able to do that? Would he be able to provide that threat from set-piece potentially with his quality? I I don't know. I, I, think, I think we've got to be wary or aware, sorry, of our, of our manager. And I think that what Adrian said might be right if this was Steve Bruce. We'd play musical chairs, he'd pick 11 names out of a hat, throw them at the board and say, go and knock yourselves out, lads. Um, and <laughs> I don't think that Eddie Howe is that way. I think if you end up playing that, you've got three, maybe four people ended up playing out of position, and I just don't think Eddie Howe's that way. I think we're in a position where we may have to have one person playing out of position, but to rejig the whole rest of the side just for one person, I, I, I just don't see happening. I think... I've got there's two things for me. West Ham like to play on the break. So I think I can see us putting even uh Dummett perhaps at centre back with uh Cher and pushing Big Dumb Burnout to left back and maybe seeing if Target can play right back. I think Target has maybe played that position literally once or twice, but he has had uh, abilities of doing that. He's he is a full back that would work. Dan Burn has spent a lot of time at Brighton, admittedly, as more as a wing back. But um, he has played in that left-back role. And I think Dummett's pace might help. Sorry, Adrian. Sorry, mate. <laughs> yeah. please, please don't unsubscribe, Adrian. You didn't, oh, you didn't really. <laughs> um, I, I, can see, I can see Dummett having that position as well because he's quick. And I think he's yeah. quick in the alternative. And, and, and I think I, I, that's how I can see it going. I think the reality is... Kraft will come in and, and how will back himself as a, as a coach to work with him in the week. Um, but I think yeah. the, the musical chairs stuff, I'm, I'm sorry, Adrian, uh, is, uh, is not going to, is not going to happen. I don't think. I've got a bit of an issue with Kraft just, just to kind of finish up on this. So there's been a lot of love for Emil Kraft on uh, on Twitter. People saying, you know, let's get behind the lad. He's improved. He's everything else. He's this and that. I just don't see it. Right. I, I don't think he's good enough quality for the Premier League and I think when Trippier went off yes Trippier is, is a fantastic footballer and it's hard to expect anyone else in our squad to, to be the same quality as Trippier but he looks so erratic in his positional sense and when you look at that goal yes it was offside but marginally he, he was so lackadaisical at the back and that really worries me about you know people like Jared Bowen which I know will come on to West Ham at the end but people like Jared Bowen who are busy and mobile and find space in between the lines Kraft falls asleep too much at the back for me. He's not bad going forward, to be fair to him. I'll give him that. You know, he likes to pass and move and make a run and put a cross in the box. Maybe for Chris Wood, that's quite good. But I think at the back, it's a real, real worry. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Di. I'd like to even jiggle a few players around and not have to rely on Emil Kraft against, you know, some decent players at West Ham, I think, who could cause a threat. I agree. I mean, you might I even you could also you could you could bring Jacob Murphy in at right back. I mean, he has played there before. But yeah. then you are, he doesn't have the defensive quality, does he? He's very, very good going forward. But when you're up against the likes of Fournells, Ben Rama, Bowen, um, you know, 
Antonio to a certain point as well, because he can drift into those wide areas. Can Jacob Murphy do a job defensively? I don't know. I, I do think Kraft will play because he was bought on off the bench uh, on yeah. Sunday. So naturally, you would imagine that he, he, he would start this game. But it's an interesting debate to have. One more thing on Kraft, I was going to say. I, his biggest thing is that I actually, defensively, I, I don't mind him either to an extent. He's not a world beater by any stretch. But he's got a bit of pace that gets him out of trouble. As James says, he does bomb on and attack well, and I think he can contribute there. I think the thing for me, he has absolutely zero composure. And yeah. that was the thing about the goal, not goal on the weekend, is that he was the one who gave the ball away up the line. I mean, I don't even know what he was trying to do. I think he just completely panicked and just thought, I'm just going to hunt this and hope for the best. And it was a terrible decision. He didn't even execute the long ball properly. And I think that's where our biggest thing is, because West Ham will break on us. They will kind of turn, try and turn us over quickly. And I think they want us to have more of the ball. I think that's their game plan. It's certainly what happened against Leicester on the weekend. And I think they'll be happy to seed in possession even. And I think that's where that worries me because that's where he can make that mistake. Because We may end up having a little bit more ball than, than maybe you would because of the way they like to play. Yeah, possibly, possibly. But we'll, we'll, we'll show up, see what happens. But I mean, I wouldn't even be against, not to sound like Steve Bruce myself, I wouldn't even be against having five at the back, bringing in the cells. Chris, and, and big what you're saying. <laughs> and then go for the wingbacks. I, I was going to say Jacob Murphy, mate, so let me off a little bit there. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah, I was getting there, mate. Yeah. yeah, so Stu's in the comments there saying, I can imagine how asking Fraser to play right midfield to help Kraft and push um, Willick up to play off Wood. Yeah, it's a fair shout, Stu. I mean, I think... They do have the flexibility to fill in those gaps, the guys. But I mean, one thing's for sure, it's a massive blow. But as, as James rightly says, like having target backs massive, isn't it? A left back, you know, because he, yeah. he looks so good in his debut. So so hopefully, lads, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be in better shape. But moving a little bit further up the pitch, I think the game was really won in the midfield, wasn't it, for us at the weekend? As, as cliche and Michael Owen-esque as that sounds, uh, the midfield was absolutely You've got to superb. put the ball in the net to score to win <laughs> yeah, games. Yeah, it's, that's, that's funny, that, isn't it? Thanks, Michael. Yeah, again. But, You'll be getting uh, the call this... from BT Sport next, Chris, mate. <laughs> I'm, waiting for, I'm waiting for Dan Wales to get a job there. He can get me into some kind of uh, shit commentator, uh, like a non-league game or something. But but Mark's been on the graphics again. And looking at this, lads, it's it's absolutely superb. I mean, you know, we actually Mark had some amazing stats on Joe Linton, which I know we all looked at in the group chat. I think that deserves a podcast on its own. That, that might very well happen. So please like and subscribe, guys. And I got Joe Linton the Valentine's card. Just saying. <laughs> I love you, Joe. I love you, Joe. But looking at the three guys in midfield, and again, we're going to talk about Bruno, yes, as the song goes, in a minute. But you can see there, between Joe Linton, John Joe and Willick, you had 82% accuracy of passing for, for Joe. You had 77 for uh, John Joe and 100% for Willick, which was a bit controversial on Twitter, which I'm sure we'll comment on in a second. But he only passed the ball 11 times, but he did it very well when he did it. So just coming to you first, eye on this one, mate. How good were the three lads in midfield? And is this why Bruno is still on the bench? Or is it because he's not up the match sharpness? What, what do you think? I think, to answer the first question, I thought they were excellent. I think what is unique about these three players is they have com three completely different skill sets. And I think the way that Big Joe is just a monster. He's just everywhere. He's, he's so big, strong and quick and he's good in the air. You know, he needs to improve his passing. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. John Joe Shelby is maybe the introduction of Gimaraes into the squad has made him think twice a bit. His work rate's gone up. His passing is still very good. He's still not, you know, unlocking as many doors from a deeper position, but he's doing well. And I think Joe Willock's work rate driving us up the pitch um, and obviously a great successful pass rate. Um, I, I, I just think it's. I think we've got to remember that the three of them are so different. Um, to come to why Bruno can't get in the team, I think it's because they complement each other well, and I think it's yeah. because they. If you, it, it would be almost impossible to take one of those out and replace them with Imraish in the in in just in what they bring, um, and I think that's what the the thing is, Freddie Howe. The minute and and to be fair, I think longer term. You've got to look at the fact that he does not want to disrupt a winning side, which I think that's I think that's fair enough. Very true, Michael Owen. Very true. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, Dad. I think I think that's the key, really, is that you can't break up a, a winning team, especially yeah. in that injury room. And I do think that it'll get found out on the weekend, and I'm sure we'll come to that in a sec. But I do think you can't do that. He's talked a lot about building like a team mentality. 
Um, the togetherness is a big deal for him. Um, that was part of the reason they went to Saudi Arabia, so they could spend time away with each, from, with each other, sorry, away from the football pitch. And I think that it's, you can't say those things if you don't stand by it. And I think if he wants to engender that togetherness, then he has to stick with what he's got at the minute. As I say, I, I don't. I think we'll get undone on the weekend, but I think he, it's still the right decision to stick as we are. James, you love him. You say his name. You sang it to your missus on Valentine's Day. Are you gutted that Bruno isn't getting these three lads out of the midfield, mate? Would you put him in over Shelby? Special shout out to my missus, Vicky. I hope you're watching out there. <laughs> anyway, well. <laughs> did did you actually sing his name? Have I just, have I just called you out there? Was I just taking that? I thought I was being cheeky there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I, I, I was singing Trippier's name, wasn't I? I met oh, him, didn't you I? were so used to singing Yeah, of course. I, was, uh, I, I met him and had a bit of crack with him at Ram, Ramside Hall on on, uh, that man. on big Monday. Show the anyway, that, that, that big sh- that's, that's a whole other uh, show for another podcast. Right now, on current form, it's hard to make a case for Bruno starting on Saturday, as, as Di rightly said. I think all three players have played their part in, in this run of three uh, three wins. Joe Linton, special mention to him. Personally, I think he's been the best of the three. He's been outstanding. Pick of the bunch. Shelby looks fitter than he's than he's ever ever been before, showing the kind of form that, that nearly got him an England call-up a, a few seasons ago under Rafa. And, you know, Willock is starting to show improvement also. I still think there has been a, a big overreaction to Willock's last two performances. I just think people are, are so desperate for him to do well, and, and I don't blame them for that. I'm the same. I, I'm a big fan of the guys. I, I thought he was outstanding last season when he uh, when he scored all those goals at the end of the season. But you've got to say, Willock, he's been that bad, uh, that bad for, for for large parts of the season that the people are just going a little bit overboard with with the praise of him now. And um, you mentioned before. There, Chris, about that stat doing the rounds. He's he's had a hundred percent pass completion rate on Sunday, and while I don't doubt that that is true, he only made eleven passes all game for a central midfielder. That's not really good yeah. enough. That's one one pass every every kind of eight or nine minutes. And just to put that into context, context as you say on the on the, the the stats, Mark's put up. Joe Linton attempted twenty three passes, and Shelby attempted twenty two. And they're arguably, those two players are arguably tasked with a more defensive role in the team compared to Joe Willock. Uh, Joe Linton certainly is anyway. Look, Willock was involved in the goal. I've got to applaud him for that. He won the free kick. But I just want to see him do more of that. This is a guy, up until Sunday, he hasn't been involved in any of our goals this season. And from a goal-scoring midfielder, which is what, what we signed him as, that isn't good enough. Yes, the work rate is there. He covers a lot of ground. He brings us further up the pitch, as as Di rightly says, and he does do the defensive work. But I just think in a team that doesn't score many goals, especially now without Trippier, um, he has to step up to the plate and impose himself on the game a little bit more, certainly in an attacking sense. And I just want to see him take a little bit more of a risk because right now, if Maximin has a poor game, where are these goals going to come from? Wood certainly isn't going to score them. Look, we all know Willock is capable of doing it. And as I said before, he, he did go on that seven-game uh, scoring streak last season. It has been an, unpo- an unpopular opinion from me. I mean, I have been getting a little bit of stick from it, but I'm staying firm and I'm staying true to my word. I just think he's got to show a little bit more for me and he needs to get up and support Wood a little bit more. Dan, that's, do that's, you agree that's with that, my, mate? That's my dad. That's sure. Yeah. Do, you, do you agree with James, mate, or do you think he's been a bit harsh? I mean... To an extent, yes, because of course, if, if if we if we look at how Joe Willock ended last season, of course, you know that is the player we want him to be. I, I remember when he signed. Uh, we I did say on a couple of podcasts that yes, he was never going to replicate that form completely again because that was you know it was unbelievable and pretty much single handedly got us out of a relegation battle. But James is right in saying that he needs to be better. He needs to be getting involved in the goal scoring or the goal making a lot more than he has been because as, as James says he hasn't really been involved in it at all this season so far although in fairness the one thing I would say he has been a lot better in these past couple of games they have been his best two performances of the season by some distance because before that he just didn't look interested he wasn't running as much he just looked lethargic slow he looked unfit didn't he though Dan? he, he did look unfit he looked like he was off the yeah. pace yeah maybe he's now, just got uh, a bit sharper yeah as as, as much as it, as much as he hasn't scored in these last two games as i say he just does look better and it's encouraging because hopefully that means that one day soon he will get back to the player that we saw at the end of last season obviously i'm not expecting him to go on a seven game scoring run 
like he did then. But if he chips in every now and then with the odd goal, the odd assist, that's what we'd like from him, especially for the money that we paid for him as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, credit to but him. why not? If, it, look, look if, he, if he could do it under Bruce, why can't he do it under Howe? Well, I mean, is, Eddie Howe was 10 point. times a manager, Steve Bruce is. And, and it, I mean, you're saying that he can't replicate that, that goal scoring I, mean, I, I believe he, he can. He's keeping Almiron out the side as well, which is, you know, some feet as well. To be fair to him, I, I think my cat could keep Almiron out of sight at the minute, mate. I'm sure uh, <laughs> if it played against West, if it played against West Ham, it might get kicked. Uh, well, oh, you had to, didn't you? Yeah, see that is, coming a mile off. Di, you're itching to say something here, aren't you, about Joe Willock, mate? I know you put it in the comments there, mate. What, what, what have you got to say? Are you, are you going to launch a defence for Joe? I am, mate. I am. I think there's three things really. I think the first one is he's 22 years old. He's not had a full season of professional football where he's playing week in, week out. And that's not an easy thing to do, especially in the physical role that he uh, he's part of. Because he does put his body about, you know, he's got he's got this brilliant technique of getting his body between the opposition player and the ball. And I think that's so hard to deal with. So, you yeah. know, he did have injuries toward the end of last season as well. I think he probably played through a few of them, which maybe contributing to maybe a difficult off-season. I think the second thing is, I could be wrong, but I think every game we've won this season, he's started. And I don't think you can discount that. I don't think that's an accident. Where's I the think... start, man? We need him. We need him. There you go. <laughs> I think he's it... licking his wounds. He's licking his wounds. <laughs> I think the key for me is, we talk about the touches and then the passes. His role in that team is not to be a metronomical passer. He's not going to be a John Joe where he's moving the ball from side to side or trying to pick a long ball out. His role in the team is to get the ball and drive forward. Is he the you know the perfect finished article yet? Of course not. Has he got that ability? I, I really do think he has. And I think people are being a bit harsh on him. And I think it must be so difficult in this side to do that role. You talk about his touches, what was it? 33 touches, I think it was, and 11 passes. I think that's because he's running at people and sometimes you're going to lose the ball. And I think if we had a similar stat of Maximan, and of course I know it's different, I bet it would probably, in terms of percentage-wise of you know touches compared to passes, probably relatively similar. And I think that's yeah. his role in the team. I agree, the stat is absolute nonsense. But saying you've got a 100% complete <laughs> pass rate doesn't, yeah. Serve, yeah. doesn't serve any purpose, does it? But... It's still true. Like it, it, he's, you yeah. know, that those passes were still accurate, um, and I think we've got to give him time. I think if we take him out of the team now, he's just started to build his confidence back up again. And I think if we take him out of the team now, I think it'll take him another year to get back to being confident, back to scoring goals. Um, and I know James is itching to respond. I'm just going to say one more thing. I think what is really important is I'm not suggesting that he's a ten out of ten. I'm not saying that at all. He's probably, I think we talked about on the weekend, about seven or eight out of ten this weekend. I think yeah. what we give him credit for, he is going in the right direction. He is improving. And I think if he's going to get to the point where he was last year, scoring, what did he score, eight, nine goals last year? I think if he's going to get to that point again, we need to give him that time. We need to give him that support because he's very clearly a confidence player. And I do think that is going to take a bit of time. Um, and I think he deserves that time. So I think he was, at the first half, especially on the weekend, I thought he was, I thought he was excellent. James, all good points, all good yours. points, Di, to be fair, mate. Um, and I just want to clarify this. I don't think he's been playing poorly recently. I mean, th those two games, I thought he has yeah. contributed to them. I just think there has been a massive overreaction on social media to, to his performances. Yeah, There is an argument to suggest everyone wants to know how are we going to get Bruno in the team? How are we going to get him in? That just seems to be the question that I'm asked on a regular basis by my mates, et cetera, et cetera. There is an argument to suggest that if you do drop Willock, because I think out of the three, he's been probably the, the worst, but that's not to say he's been bad by any stretch. You bring Bruno in, you play him alongside John Joe and Joe Linton in the 4-3-3. You bring Willock on with 25, 30 minutes to go when the game's stretched and he can get your goal. That's what I that's what I would personally look to look to be doing. I wouldn't change it for West Ham because I think you don't change a, a winning team, but we're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season. We're not Man City. We will come a cropper against a side soon, whether or not that will be West Ham, Brentford, who knows. If that is the case and one of them has a poor game or Willock doesn't have the best of game, you can bring him out, allow Bruno to make a statement, to make an impact, see what he's made of, and then you can tell Willock, look. If you're the manager of Yeri Howe, look, we're going to use you in this game. That's not you done. But we want you to play a slightly different role. And that role being how you were performing 
last season when you came off the bench and you were scoring. We want to see a little bit more. It's just a, a hypothetical um, possibility. I'm probably wrong, but that's that's what I would do. What is I can't see that happening quick only only because I think of the way the again the way the West Ham play. I think having three more holder type players might work for us. And I do think again, maybe Willock, you know, does he I don't know what his fitness is like, does he need a rest perhaps? So I can see that happening. I think taking him out of the side would be detrimental longer term because then once Bruno is in. I think it becomes a very difficult thing to get him back out again for someone else. So I do, I, I do for what it's worth, I, I can see that happening from what James has said there. But I do think that would be, I think we would end up sitting too deep. But I'll stop now. I, I think, I think. Special both... shout out to, uh, that's my mate Damien there. Damien, thanks for tuning in, mate. He's a, he's a huge Joe Willock fan. So he's been giving I mean... me a bit of stick this week about, uh, about what <laughs> I've been saying. Has. So <laughs> you've, got, you've got the Welsh wizard seal of approval there, Damien. Yeah, but but he, he does make a very good point, I think, out of the team that we've got now. And, and Dan made a good point there about Miggy Armour. I know I was taking the piss a little bit, but, but nobody really seems to be able to run at players at the minute in this side. You know, Shelby's great on the ball in terms of he takes it, he finds a ball and everything else. Joe Linton's obviously, you know, up and down, up and down, you know, like a fireman on a pole. But when it comes to physically running at players and, and, and committing them, you know, there is a maximum and at the minute there is only Joe Willick, you know. So I think it's a really good point by Damien. I think and Dan makes a really good point. Once Bruno comes in and those three lads, it hasn't escaped me, they'll be playing out of their skin because they're seeing this lad in training and he's, he's he's probably brilliant and they're thinking shit we need to really play well here because if if we just slip it off and and, and down tools for even half a game and he comes in we're out we're not getting back in this side the way this lad plays but what do you think about that Dan? would you agree with that mate do you think that's why maybe we're get, getting the best out of these lads no massively so when you have signed a player of bruno gimaraes standards he's sat on and you're keeping him on the bench at the moment as well it shows that these three in midfield are, you know, they're playing for their their lives essentially. And to be fair, they've come up to the challenge as well because they're playing really well together. And I think as I can't remember who it was now, but they all, I think it was a die who said they're, they're all different skill sets, or was that you, Chris? They, they complement each yeah. other. No, yeah. that's that. the yeah, thing. They bounce off each other. Yeah. And as I said, as you know, Shelby, great pass, the passer of the ball, great touch, great sort of on the ball, can pick, they can sort of spray anywhere around the pitch. Joe yeah. Linton is that. Beast essentially, box to box, box isn't it? Box, box yeah, builder, yeah. strong, physical, wins the ball in the air, etc. And Joe Willock just gets it down and runs essentially. And as I, as Di quite rightly says, they're all very different and they do complement each other. I mean, and then you've got Bruno, who to be honest is probably even different to all of them again. Yeah, as well. So he could come in, and I, I, I'd be interested to see if he did come in, who he would be replacing. Yeah, because would you want him alongside Joe Linton, of course, with that sort of Brazilian connection, or would you take out Shelby, but then you lose the passing, perhaps, but then take out Willick, then you use the the running. So that is a question. To be fair, who who of those three do you think is most likely to come out for Bruno? I, I, I think at the minute the least likely is Joe Linton, and as Stu rightly says, there he's never he's not seen anybody out muscle John McGinn. I mean, Mark, Mark did some unbelievable oh stats God. to mention. John McGinn and they cook. Um, but he mentioned the, the stats that Mark had done before in the grid. And it, it was so good, lads, wasn't it? That I thought we well, can't use this tonight. It needs a podcast on its own because some of the stats of Joe Linton against some some of the top defensive midfielders in the league, guys who have been quoted 100 plus million. Uh, Joe Linton was wiping his arse with them all. So, you know, he, he's been phenomenal in that role. And, and you can't take him out of the side. Shelby's the one for me, lads. I must admit, I, I don't know about you. I'm keeping away. I'm waiting for the bubble to burst out. You nodded there. I'm waiting for the bubble to burst and for John Joe Shelby just to go, oh, I can't be arsed now. You know, and then just go back to the John Joe Shelby that winds us all up. Mate, do you think that might happen? Or do you think he's going to stay at the top of this game to keep Bruno out? I think if we're going to keep improving, ultimately, this side is not going to keep getting better and better. The, the better players need to come in and the weaker player, players need to go. And as, as good as John Joe's been of late, I do think that Bob's going to burst, like you say. He's going to have a bad game. He's going to get pissed off. I can see him doing something stupid. That is still in it. That's still in him. He still has that part of his game. So for me, if we're going to, the most natural uh, swap for me would be that kind of most, the more deeper holding player who can pass the ball. And that is Shelby. You, you don't want to lose Jalinton's physicality and his box-to-box uh, aggression. I, I don't think you want to lose Willock driving us forward. So for me, it, it would be Shelby. I can see Shelby staying in this weekend. I think missing Trippier, maybe Lascelles, he's probably going to be the captain. So I don't see him coming out there. But I think longer term, I think he, in my view, is the one who's most likely to miss out. 
West Ham's his game as well, isn't it? He loves to play against West Ham, doesn't he? So yeah. that's do, you remember, nice... do, you remember his de- do you remember his debut against West Ham? Oh, oh man, that ball was amazing, amazing wasn't it? Incredible, yeah. I remember that. So that's a good segue, lads, to wrap up the show. It's as if we planned it, Chris. As if we planned it, mate, exactly. So just to look at West Ham, I'll start with you, Lynchman. So West Ham, the cat kickers, we all hate them. They're all bastards. Are we going to beat them, mate, or what? <laughs> Chris! <laughs> I love cats, man. I've got cats. I love cats. Do you know, I, lo- I love Di's reaction to your one-liners, mate. It, they're brilliant. <laughs> he really loves them, doesn't he? Fantastic. I really do. I, I, really love, do. I, I, love, I love them too, mate. I love them too. You do, mate. Anyway. You've got a better poker face. <laughs> got a better poker face. Look, this is a real test. This, this game will prove how good we really are. We've been talking up the midfield a lot tonight, and rightly so, but we are up against one of the, the best midfield partnerships in the league in Declan Rice and, and Thomas Suchek. Jared Bowen is in the form of his life right now. He seems to be yeah, getting a goal, a goal every game at the moment, doesn't he? Um, Antonio is is always really difficult to, to play against. And look, overall as a team, they they don't have many weaknesses. Um, I think you'd have to say with with Trippier and Wilson available for this, we would have won. But that isn't yeah. the case. I still think we're in with a chance. Look, we're the informed team at the moment. They have been slightly inconsistent as of late. I mean, Leeds. Leeds went down their ground a few weeks back and, and played them off the park and won 3-2. So why can't we do that? We're a better team than Leeds. They also, I think they lost to Man United, I think, not so long ago. And, and um, we're lucky to, to get a point against Leicester on Sunday, arguably. So it's a tough one to call this. Um, I think if Max, uh, Maximin can, can have the game of his life and uh, we defend well, um, especially with, with Matty Target come back in, we'll win this game. So I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say we're going to win 3-2. That's a, that's a hell of a fixture. Joe, Joe Willock with a winner. Yeah. <laughs> and first on match of the day. And Willock with a hat rick. Exactly. <laughs> and if you'll come on next week, go, I told Off you the bench. I never doubt him. I never doubt him. Dan, yeah. what, what about you, mate? How do you feel about going to the, the game against the Hammers, mate? Are you cautious? Or yeah, it, 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 it's certainly the you know the, the, the toughest test we've had of obviously the last three that we've won. Going into this fourth, it is it is tough. West Ham, they're still sat fourth in the league. Um, Oh, cheers for that one, Dan. Blimey. Good shout, Dan. Yeah. Just, That's interesting. Just do us a favour, yeah. Dan. Get a, get a cuddly cat and just throw it at him or something, maybe. That'd be absolutely superb if you do that. So, uh, didn't Zuma put on. He did. Pull out? Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. Yeah, yeah. He was, apparently, think, he was ill in the warm up or something, wasn't he? Yeah, he got an injury in the warm up. I, yeah, I think the technical yeah. term was he was a shit house. Really, was the technical term. I think that's why he pulled out of it. So, uh, so yeah, we've got a two-one prediction. There. Sorry, Dan. Go back. Anyway, no, I mean from one Dan to the other. From one Dan, exactly. <laughs> you know, us Dan's like we we have a hotline together. You know, I'll just I'll, I'll do it. Do angling. Yeah. So, I do think it, it's going to be a very tough test. You know, they are still sat fourth in the league, West Ham, and and for good reason. They, they're a very good side. David Moyes has transformed that squad essentially, and deserves an a lot of credit for it as well. As we've mentioned already, Jared Bowen is playing out of his skin at the moment, probably deserving of an England call-up come the next international break. But obviously, as James says as well, we are in a great vein of form at the moment. We are what, in, in the top five or four of the, of the form table in the Premier League at the yeah. moment. So you've got to, we've got to go into this with some confidence. Yes, we're missing Kieran Trippier, who, of course, as I mentioned before, has won has been the match winner the last two games. But We've got other players who can cause them problems. Say Max Mann, if he's on his game, as James says, will cause them problems and has caused West Ham problems in the past as well. Uh, Joe Willock, as James if he gets a hat-trick, I, I will be calling you, James. J- James, you're hosting oh. next week. I'll be, in, I'll be in hiding for weeks, lads. <laughs> <laughs> you, you won't see me for a month. You won't see me for a month. I was wrong. <laughs> Joe Willock is class. <laughs> all the balance is coming about. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, you know, whether we see Gimarayash a bit more in the game as well, because of course he's only had sort of cameos in the last two. Little flashes. Yeah, yeah we, but we, ha- we have the players to hurt them. I mean, initially I was going to say a draw, to be honest. I was going to say sort of mm. along the same lines as Mark is saying there. Bit of a desert. Uh, would own goal there, Mark. Would own goal there, Mark. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> but I, 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 can, I can see us getting a result of some sort because, yeah, as I say, we're in form. We've got players who can hurt them. Yes, they've got players who can hurt us, but our defence is a lot better than it was two or three weeks ago, you know, with the introduction of Matt Target, the introduction of Dan Byrne. And if they, if, if if Dan Byrne can, you know, keep the likes of, you know, Ollie Watkins at bay and, and you know, Coutinho was kept at bay against us as well at the weekend. So, uh, yeah, the weekend. Surely that's enough also to keep the likes of some of West Ham's players at bay as well, in my opinion. Yeah. 
different different competition against Antonio. He's a big, strong boy. It is. He is, but you know, da, but Dan da Burns a big boy as well, and he's even bigger than Antonio. And I think he should. I'd love nothing more than to see Mikel Antonio bullied by Dan Byrne. That would yeah. that would make me very very happy. But yeah, I'm gonna. I think my head says a draw, a sort of two-two, as Mark says. But I might go just as James says, a three-two win. Which we've, to be fair, we've won three-two at the London Stadium two times in the last what was it, three or four years? Yeah, yeah. A bad shout there, mate. And there, uh, Stu's got a good point of comments there. Get ASM against Craig Dawson. He's definitely winning. Yeah. Di, just going on to you, mate, for your prediction and and how you feel about the West Ham game, mate. Are you as confident as the boys, or are you a bit more cautious? Um, no, I think I'm not quite as giddy as James, uh, who's excellent. as knew that and die. But um, I, I think I, I'm more inclined with Dan. My, my, my prediction before we started was going to be a score draw. I think yeah. they are definitely capable of conceding goals. I think someone mentioned Dawson there in the comments, Stu did. Um, he's an accident waiting to happen. Uh, Cresswell, I also don't think he's a particularly good fullback. I think he can be got at. Um, I think the other thing that's worth noting about them is that they are in decent form themselves they are fourth in the league but if you want to have a look back at their fixtures they've played burnley watford leeds norwich they are yes they're picking up wins but they're picking them up against the teams they should beat when they've come up against the teams they should you know you know they, you're challenging for fourth place they lost to southampton they lost to arsenal they lost to spurs so I think it's worth bearing in mind that, yes, they're in good form. They're not in mind-blowing form. They're just beating the teams that they should beat. Um, so I think they are definitely there to be got at. I think the ultimate problem is going to be that I am going. Um, I am going to my first Newcastle match live in a, in a long time. Uh, because of COVID. Have you ever seen his win in how long, Guy? Die? How long well, has it been since he saw his win? This is my thing. Because of where I used to live... And where I live now, and COVID, the last time I saw Newcastle win in the flesh was New Year's Day 2018 against Stoke. Oh, we won Paris. Oh. I was a Paris wow. goal, yes. And a, a, a Jacob Murphy cross, I think it was, was it not? Into him. Oh, that is a great knowledge. I, I, I remember it was a cross uh, from the left hand side as I was looking at it. I, I, I remember that. It was. Uh, so you're trying I'm, to break your four year duck die? No, I was morbidly hungover. Kind of got the train up with my pal, uh, tried to drink as much as I could to make it worthwhile when we got there, and then obviously won the game. Um, it was a horrible day, pouring down with rain, uh, but we won, so that's all that matters. So I am, I, I'm hoping that I'm going to break my my jinx. I've been a few times since, but this is my first live. Uh, this will hopefully be my first live win in four years, which is. An absolutely thoroughly depressing thing to say. So um, I'm not expecting anything. I think I would be delighted if we won. Obviously, um, I think a draw is uh, is the most likely outcome. Yeah, I, I think I'm echoing that as well, guys. As much as I'd love, I'd love us to beat them, and I think we are capable of beating them. To be fair, it all just depends on how these injuries impact us and affect us. I think, but I, I'm I'm going for a score draw as well. I'm going for a one-one draw. I think that'll probably be around about the right fixture. I think if we can get four points out of this in the Brentford game, I think that's mm. a really good couple of results and that'll keep us out, out of the out of the, the mire you know and hopefully you know we've done enough to to create a gap and keep a gap between us and the bottom three but it is so tight down there guys but it'll be a great game i'm sure to watch and we'll all be glued to the box and we'll all be watching out for diving and piston stands so make sure you watch out for but we're just about to wrap up for the night lads but just before we do uh our blue tick man dan wales as i mentioned at the start of the there show has been working hard at university as you see he's uh he's, he's one of the sports journalists of tomorrow he remembers when he's a big bt or sky guy but but dan i'm just going to pass it over to you because you've got something you want to share with the viewers and the guys in the comments below if you can help dan out it'd be awesome but over to you dan thank you very much chris i really appreciate it yes uh for my dissertation my degree i'm doing a lot of research into sort of sports journalism and fan media on hashtag nufc on twitter which of course is if we all use twitter and you look at Newcastle News, obviously, hashtag NUFC is what you put at pretty much the end of all your tweets. Um, it's all about sort of trust and the, the rise of fan media and how that compares to, to, to uh, sort of professional journalism. And so if you do go onto my Twitter, you'll be able to find a question there. So if you are a Newcastle supporter who uses Twitter regularly to consume the Newcastle News, please do, if you have the chance, it'll only take five, ten minutes at most, get yourself onto my Twitter, which is at DanielWheel023. And on my most recent tweets, you will find uh, a link to the, the questionnaire on Google Docs. 
please fill it out. It would it would greatly, greatly help me and my university dissertation. So thank you, Chris, we've for letting all, me plug that. No problem. We've also put the description there below, guys. So if you, if you don't have to go searching for it, just look at the description below. Click this what if you want to man you are. Exactly, yeah. Well, don't, don't look at me. It's the man in the chair. It's, it's Mark, the main man. I, I'm just the no. gold piece, mate. So, so he does it. As he's literally just told me in the comments as well. So, thank you, Mark. He's, He's literally, yeah, I'm just the gob. He, he's, he's the man behind the machine, mate. But uh, but that's all the time I've got for. If you like this kind of thing, guys, please remember to click like and subscribe. Uh, we smashed through our 100 subscriber barrier, so thank you so much for everybody who did that. We're looking to push on to the next 100. If you can get us to 200, that'd be absolutely awesome. If it's your first time coming, come back. We'll be back next week with some more Evermore. Hopefully, it'll be another win. And uh, let's keep supporting that team of Core United. It's bye from me and bye from the lads. Until then, guys, cheers. See you, lads. Take care. And how are the lads? <laughs> Didn't forget there. this.